to Voyage of the Geek, and on our first outing uh, as re- as a review crew uh, for film, and uh, joining me tonight is uh, my standard cohort, Dan Miller, <laughs> and our very special guest, some say he even invented the question mark, Tom McGill. G'day. Coming back second time on the panel, yep. on the show, and tonight we're going to, and my name's Dave Scotland, uh, normally we look at all things geek, but tonight we're going to focus on um, a film review, and it's going to be the first cab off the rank uh, for a film review of the new Star Trek film um, Beyond, or Star Trek Beyond, I've never really seen it with colons or uh, semicolons or anything like that, so I'm imagining it. the whole title is Star Trek Beyond, which was released this year in um, in July, I believe. <laughs> so before we get started, gentlemen, how was your week? Uh, what's what's happening in your world, Tom? Oh, the uh, standard work. It's getting busy this time of year. It's uh, December almost. Christmas is upon us. End of school year, so assessments start up. Uh, Christmas parties start up. The kids have their Christmas concerts at school. Interviews at work for new new students for next year. You'd be getting, uh, getting a bit choked up at, at the thought of uh, losing this bunch of students and not having to see them every... <laughs> no? <laughs> <laughs> there's those that we will miss and there's those that we will farewell gladly. And uh, Dan, how about yourself? Uh, a little bit of the same, really. We've only got a week or two to go. And uh, yeah, it's all ramping up to a big crescendo where everything's crashing together, world's colliding, uh, pre- Preparation as well as wrap-up happening at the same time. Preparation yeah. for next year and wrap-up for this year. And Cru- organising Christmas parties in between. Yeah, and all of that as well, yeah. Cruising, uh, <coughs> cru- cruising at breakneck speed towards the silly season, that mm-hmm. Christmas season where family is upon us yes. in some format. Last year you travelled. Last year I went to Germany. This year we'll be at home. And uh, because we don't have any family here in Australia... It'll be a quiet Christmas. Nice. I we, think. We get a one year on, one year off uh, rotation with Christmases. Mm-hmm. Um, although we were doing that with Leanne's family and then the off year was nice and quiet like, like yeah. you've got planned. But now my family, because my mum's moved down more local now, they we're doing it in the off year. So now it's a big Christmas every year now. <laughs> but apparently it's for kids, so um, the kids, the kids are going to love, love it. it. Yeah, All right, let's right. let's theme our uh, let's theme our desktop here and um, and uh, put up what we're actually talking about tonight. We watched the movie the other day in the uh, Voyage of the Geek Cinema. That's right, out the front, and. Um, and first of all, let's 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 start with just first impressions of the film, um, and then I think we'll move into some specific uh, narrative, and then move over maybe to um, have a look at more technical, and we'll have a look at uh, some of the 
some of the things that went into the film, some of the more notable points uh, about production and things like that. Basically, just to sum up what we're, our plan is, is to briefly have a look at the film as a narrative piece and then um, and then try to explore some of the things that are relative to our sphere of expertise, yeah. uh, which is more production, visual effects, um, films in general, um, the film language, the cinematic language, those sorts of things. And and we're going to refine this, obviously, throughout our, our future. Um, but um, for now, that's, that's the plan. So, Tom, you, first up, what, what was your initial impression when you first watched the film? I know you watched it before Sunday. I watched it when it came out. Mm-hmm. I watched it at the movies. And uh, I watched, I'm glad that I watched it again on Sunday mm-hmm. because my initial impression of the film was, was quite disappointing. I, I was incredibly bored throughout the entire film. I did not like it one bit and I thought, what a waste of my time. Which is a shame because I love the the trek yes i i adore all things star trek well there's there's voyager and there's enterprise and then there's the yeah. other stuff that you adore more but the movies have always been something i would always look forward to um they, they get to do a few gags and in jokes in those films and they're they're great and yeah i must say i was i was it was 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 not happy at all with the film the first time around and I don't know why that was mm. because the second time around when I watched it with you guys a couple of days ago I, I really liked it a lot and I think all I, I had to do I needed that time to digest yep. the things that the the cliche things mm-hmm. the uh, so when I when I watched it and uh, we, 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 we we will assume that everyone who hears this podcast yes yeah, spoiler uh, will spoiler alert you know, pause now and watch the film if you haven't. It will be spoilers. Uh, how much, how long into the film? 20 minutes into the film, the Enterprise gets ripped to shreds, right? Yes, yeah. And I was in the movies going, rolling my eyes, going, oh, God, once again, once again. Oh, we can't keep destroying those yeah. ships. And uh, some research afterwards, and no, this is only the third time. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I think it throws us a little bit because I think... Um, Next gen, their ship gets destroyed in in one episode in one. Well, field. it gets in the first film. The first film that the next gen, which yeah. is Star Trek Generations, mm. the first time they go to the movie screen, they immediately destroy the ship, and you go. It stops being. It's it's compared to Marvel killing Captain America or DC killing Superman for yeah. the twenty eighth time. Absolutely. And uh, it's it stops having an effect. Especially when the five year mission, the original five year mission. They never destroyed the ship. I think they set it to self-destruct once or twice. Oh, they bluffed it. And, bluffed and, it. and even in The Next Generation, there's an episode where, where the Enterprise gets destroyed again in and a, again and again loop, in a time yeah. loop. But that's an alternate reality, so really it yeah. wasn't destroyed. So maybe we get that impression that... I think even Voyager... Did Voyager just crash land once on yeah, a ice planet? Maybe. Or maybe it was just landing. I know I'm it landed. Sure. I know it, maybe it's landing. Yeah. Um, so you, you feel like every, every show... Voyager, Deep Space Nine, start it, it, sooner or later, the the main thing yeah. has to get destroyed. It's like it's a cliche thing. It's like every time they, there's gonna be one episode where they go back into to Earth into the 1980s or 1970s or 1960s, yeah. whenever the show is made, yep. and they're in contemporary. These days, it's modern. Uh, there's going to be one episode where everybody sings. You know, there's going to be there's the Buffy singing. There's uh, the yeah. Flash and Supergirl are going to have a have a crossover this this season. Uh, that's going to be the new thing, I guess. Mm. And and it stops having an impact after a while. Yeah. In those other shows, you're talking about a series that runs for 
a good year, two years, three years, mm. and they destroy the ship once. Yeah. 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 So it kind of doesn't wear out its welcome, <clears throat> yeah. I feel, in that. And it's a special event. Yep. Right, but... Especially if, given that this, the new franchise, haven't they destroyed two? They're two for three. Or two for three, three. Three for yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something or other yeah. like that. So they're, they're not mucking around. No, so. there was big destruction at the end of uh, the rust. Well, what, what was it called? Uh, uh, the darkness. Dark, into darkness. Into darkness. Yeah, yeah, I mean, crashing onto a, into, into a city. Good yeah, Lord. Yeah. yeah. Mm. New San Francisco. And so you can't to- keep topping it. Mm. That's the problem. And the feature creep. You shouldn't try. Yeah. The feature creep. And Star Trek to me is always about the characters and the story and not so much about the action. And that, that's, yeah. that's what it is for a lot of fans. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be Star Wars or any other science fiction film. Uh, uh, and I, ha- I have to agree. Um, Kirk was always itching for a fight. Um, yeah. But the thing that really endeared it to people, I think, is the is the more thinky end of the show, the the, the diplomacy and the, and the cultures and the crossing over and all this sort of stuff. And the fact that Kirk talks, talks the, the legs of a donkey and afterwards persuades it to, yeah. to buy trousers. Um, <laughs> you know, he talks himself out of any situation yeah. or he convinces the opponent that yeah. the opponent is actually in the wrong. Yeah. And the opponent goes, okay, let's have peace then. Dan, what were your initial impressions? Because you haven't seen... You haven't seen the second of the new. Um, well, let's refer to it in its with its official term. Um, after the first film of the new generation of films, J.J. Abrams movie, mm-hmm. they actually refer to it in Star Trek lore now as the Abrams divergence. No, yeah, divergence. Okay, yeah, where there's now two timelines. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, one of the timelines is the original Kirk and Spock and, and all that sort of stuff. And and in that first film, there is a time issue, and now we are living currently in the new time timeline. And and Spock, the original Spock, is the only person that sort of shared both. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you didn't see the second one. Mm-hmm. There wasn't too many references to that time thing apart from some photos that, that he was looking at but as a film was it confusing for you did you were you fine with it you you sort of weren't scratching your head for much of it uh there are a few little things that we might talk about that i was scratching my head about mm-hmm. um <clears throat> little points in the plot and in the story where but i don't think those were related to um the previous episodes the previous um uh films um i enjoyed it um, I think as we get deeper into it, that might be clarified to be less yeah. spectacular as it sounds. But when I was watching it, yeah, I thought it was good. It was really quite good. The thing I, I liked about it the most, I think, was that it held together as a popcorn movie. Yeah. It held together as a popcorn movie. So it's not really a judgment of whether it's a good movie or a bad movie or yeah. anything in between. But as far as a popcorn movie, you know, it had those beats and yeah. it was just clicking along. And it's it was not, doing it's, its never thing. going to be Shawshank Redemption. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But for what it was, I think it delivered. Yes, I agree that it delivered. So, um, yeah, I was watching it and, yeah, enjoying it and going from one moment to the next moment and they all were kind of connecting and it was kind of building up into a thing at the end and then there was a thing at the end and, yeah. That, so, so for me, it kind of did what it said on the tin. You know, it's popcorn movie. There you go, received. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put something out there so that we it can it can sort of filter through a lot of what we're probably going to talk about. Um, this is the fiftieth year, 
and and they even put the film off for a year. Um, actually, I thought they they were under a lot of pressure to get it out in 2016. The, yeah, to to to, um, to get it out. Well, they committed to it. Yeah. Um, originally, I think it was scheduled to come out in 2015. Right. Um, but they wanted it to land on a 50th year and really, you know, roll off the back of that and mm. um, also bring focus to all of their other mm-hmm. uh, products and, and back catalogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think th- the owners of the franchise were quite heavy-handed in putting as much as they could into the film, either through the writing, through the directing, um, even the set design, um, that was referring to the law, referring to this past history. Um, little things everywhere. Mm-hmm. There are little, and I've got some trivia that I'll bring up later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are little things all the way through the film that are an, either an homage um, or a tip of the hat, you know, or just a little visual reminder and things like that. And I, I got the sense that it would be a much different film if that didn't exist. If we weren't sitting in the 50th year, it may have been closer to the first film, a little bit more narrative-driven, mm. uh, a little bit less obvious cliché mm. sort of stuff going on under the, mm. un, just under the radar, not, not right in front of you. Did you get that sense? Were there, did you notice the things that I'm it talking didn't about? It seem forced to me. It seemed like it was – you might be right that it was oh, like saturated. No, I think they did it well. I don't think they, they forced of, it, but yeah. it was there. Yeah, yeah. It was in there. I, I definitely felt that it was the right flavour. It had the look and the the feel of a Star Trek movie, mm. you know, yep. all of the bits and pieces. And I don't think that was too forced or overdone. What do you reckon? No, I think, uh, first of all, films do – do that over a TV series. If yeah. there's a TV series that was turned into a film, they will always have little in-jokes that they throw at the fans so that they'll be... And you can tell in the movie cinema who's a Trekkie because they'll be giggling at the right moments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so just at the start when, when uh, Kirk d- is in a skir- little fight with the little t- oh, yeah, yeah. T- Tinaxians or whatever mm. they're called, little, mm. little creatures, and gets beamed onto the Enterprise and uh, walks off and the first thing he says, oh, I tore my shirt again. Mm-hmm. And of that... If you're not a fan, you just think, oh, yeah, good. He's torn his shirt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, but then to um, to address the, 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 uh, the milestone, the 50 years, I think just for uh, thematically, there's, I found it a bit odd that Kirk, who is only three years into his mission, is contemplating retire- retirement. You know, he thinks, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of three years in, and he wants to become an admiral and uh, applies to become an admiral. And there's this scene where he and and Bones uh, share a drink and it's Kirk's birthday and it's a bit festive but there's a lot of contemplation about what the future is and mm. sort of a milestone moment which might have been in there because it's sort of a big event it's a milestone film and maybe that has translated a little bit into the story and it, it definitely references that that contemplating to become a, a contemplation to become an admiral um that's based on the old history isn't it like the the other timeline because Kirk becomes an admiral and he comes out of retirement to head up the ship mm. in Wrath of Khan. And, um, and so those, just that discussion and having that drink with Bones at the bar, um, talking about feeling old and yeah. things like that. And even the toast that, that, they, that they make is in referring to hope our eyesight never fails us and things like that because in the original... 
Kirk's shitty that it's his birthday yeah. and he gets a pair of glasses because he's allergic and to you know they they, say, it's, it's all that it's all in the writing. William mm-hmm. Shatner also has a you know a toupee and they say good eyesight and a full set of hair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they do too. They do too. Did, did you know who wrote it? Uh, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Yeah, and yeah. I only found that out yesterday. Like oh, I, right. I wasn't aware, and he is about as uh, he's about as card carrying a fan as you can get mm-hmm. with when it comes to sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he ha- he had a lot to do with that in the writing. I think you know the law working its way in mm-hmm. to the writing, and mm-hmm. it's just subtle stuff everywhere. All right. Well, this kind of brings me then to some of the the things that I was feeling a little bit ambivalent about afterwards, um, because then I started to do just a little bit of research and started to have a look a look around, and I, and I watched a whole bunch of um, other people's reviews because I did come away f- from it feeling fairly fairly satisfied and it was a fairly good popcorn flick so I was fairly cool with that but and and most people's reviews had that sort of flavor to it that yeah it was pretty good but uh, and even if you look here on the accursed IMDB and Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. they're up in the high 75% which is not too bad which is good which in, is good in this our our blog everyone has an opinion day and age mm, yeah it's not too bad but the, there were some dissenters, dissenting opinions, was it? which I found to be interesting because there were, there were a bunch of people who were reviewing the movie and they're like, yeah, right. And they sort of keyed into the things that I enjoyed when I was watching it. It was popping along, you know, there was da-da-da. But then some people started to come up with, I think, some fairly um, insightful comments that um, <clears throat> there's an awful lot of violence going on. People punching the crap out of each other and exploding things. Yeah. And, and death. You know, well, he's just saw it there, director of Fast and Furious. That's right, and this is what it ties into. It's fast Star, Star Trek, Fast and Furious. So, um, so there was that, and the the other thing that the the negative con- commentators were sort of saying is that, yeah, there wasn't the philosophy in there. It was Fast and Furious and yeah. explosions yep. and pun- kidney punching, yeah. <laughs> but there wasn't moral <laughs> philosophy yeah. of you know right and wrong and doing the right thing and talking people. Uh, somebody somebody made a good comment that the good guys are the you know the last to pick up their weapons and the first to put them down, and you kind of didn't sort of see that coming through really strongly with the with our heroes you know so which is interesting enough opposite to what the film is about because the film is a i mean the the motivation of the the bad guy is that the federation is too peaceful and there is not enough fighting so if 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 the film is one wants to tell us that that rather topical message that that people should cooperate that people Mm -hmm. should should work together and not isolate themselves um because the the bad guy is all about war and fighting. Yeah, and, and his reasoning about- for that is he got left behind. Like it, it, that it that it wasn't like his protest was that um, that he got left. Like there was no team um, out there to try to find him, and he got written off and left for dead, sort of thing. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that that's a fairly weak motivation. You know, he he's doing it because he's crazy. You know, he wants to kill everybody. Why does he want to kill everybody? Because yeah. he's crazy. Yeah. Crazy that, people do that's that. That's a big, big plot hole there for me in that film because it's just—it's not a strong justification. It's not a strong. No, and, and also, where did he crash land? In yeah. in in a in a, on a planet that had all this mining technology yes, left yes, behind, yes. all these bloody dr- drone ships. Yeah. Why 
has he has he been sitting there on that planet for so many years? <laughs> yeah, when he leave? You know, why has he been left? He, he could leave any time. He's got his bloody millions of drone ships. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I was thinking, you know, why does he... And also the other one is, you know, why does he want this pissant little weapon when he's got the yeah. drone ships of doom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they can rip a starship to shreds in 10 minutes. I've been searching for this weapon that's unless, much weaker than what the one someone has a bit had. of rock and roll handy. So there were, <laughs> well, well, we should get to that because that'll probably be a 20-minute discussion. <laughs> we get to that. But, yeah, there were a lot of things that initially when I saw it just rubbed me. And also Kirk, as you said, at being an admiral, he, in the old... in the old timeline he doesn't want to be an admiral he's yeah. bored being it. he's a captain he, See, wants, he needs yeah. to be on and so that this Kirk after doesn't, three years needs to suddenly retire I thought that was there's some plot device that they put in here yeah. and it doesn't doesn't, doesn't Kirk seem right. want most of all to be the captain of the Enterprise oh yeah yeah. that's his that's the thing that he wants to do yeah. most of all yep so it's a bit odd for him to be like ah I'm over it now yep. you yeah. know and then the other thing you know another thing if we talk about character arcs how did um, Kirk's character arc go? So at the start, he's with Whiskey yeah. and Bones, yeah. and he's like, meh. He's, he's the line that I remembered, and it's, um, it's in some trivia notes that I came across, that um, the three-year mission is starting to feel episodic, which was a, a poke at the episodes of the original series mm. that it's that it was a three mission but everyone is an episode mm-hmm. and he opens the cupboard and and he's got all the same uniforms lined up there that was good that so was, that's what he's boning about at the start that was poetic and that was really well done especially where he says you know but is that Kirk is the, the real question yeah. shouldn't Kirk and be can like can you get away with that comment I mean they're exploring space for Christ's sake yeah yeah, yeah. And every day is different yeah they meet yeah they're supposed to meet you know some strange I mean what's the opening line from you know the Star Trek Empire you know Stardate whatever on its continuing voyage yeah. to punch people and <laughs> cause explosions throughout space. No, they're going off to explore and find yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, to seek out and solve. Yeah, yeah solve yeah, yeah. problems and, and things like that. So, and this is where I think I got a little bit. Um, I got a little bit. I don't know. Caught up in the movie, and I still think it is a good popcorn flick, and it was a good popcorn flick, and it did do its job. Yeah. yeah. But the question, you know, those sort of deeper questions about is it really in the. Um, in the right space. Yeah, it felt know? like it's the film itself felt like its agenda wasn't clear, and there was potentially multiple agendas going on. I mentioned mm. earlier the the fifty year thing. Mm. Um, we saw uh, Sulu's. I can only imagine his husband. Yes. Yeah, 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 um, and daughter. Um, we saw um, the whole thing with Kirk wanting to, you know become an admiral whatever um it feels spock and uhura yeah it yeah yeah spock and uhura they've they've sort of on again off again and now off again and um so i think when you start to add those things up you get an agenda and running through the narrative Mm. and then you get the narrative Mm. so someone come out with a story and the story involves the bad guy and the planet and the and um and the the female alien character that comes and asks for help and they have to go back mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So someone came up with that. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary agenda got shoehorned into that story, 
which is why I think maybe there are two writers on the piece. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure who the other guy is. No, no, they're, they're, they're I've, seen him, I've seen that he's done a lot of writing for episodic stuff, for TV mm. and HBO types things. Um, and maybe one of the writers had the narrative story and the other one was sort of tasked with you know trying to sort of the action yeah pull it all together and I so don't know Simon Pegg said in an interview that in the last film the uh, Into Darkness they were really concentrating on, on the Kirk and Spock interaction and telling their story arcs and so this film was trying to steer away from them and, and expose more of the crew so you had the lovely little and they killed the crew <laughs> <laughs> the main the, the Sulu Chekhov uh, Scotty <laughs> we had a lovely little sub story there with Bones and yeah. and and and, uh, and uh, Spock and a little but but did they pull that off I don't know if you think of what did Uhura contribute to the film she separated the saucer and she was there when the other ensign got destroyed by the mm. weapon or if you think of what uh, Chekhov did in the film it's hard to think yeah. of what those people did. Now, now Scotty, Simon Pegg, sorry, just continue. Yeah, okay. uh, Simon Pegg is the uh, the writer, but he's also the character who's, who plays Scotty. So it's it's a bit of a tricky situation to write, I think, a script. You don't you want to give yourself good parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to... You also want to be not seen as somebody who who gives... It's all the all, Yeah, yeah. you got to find the balance there. Yeah, yeah, so right. having a second writer there... Is, is probably a really good thing because yeah. one person writing it would have been if, 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 if a main character writes it then it's could probably be a very very yeah. different film mm. and sometimes writers they sometimes you can have weak weaknesses in your writing um, sometimes dialogue might not be your strength other writers dialogue is, is definitely their strength but the big picture is they struggle a little bit mm. um, and so com combined writing tasks can actually be effective I would never say the same about directing but writing is you know there's a lot of good examples of co-written um, brilliant brilliant movies back to one I was talking about before was Kirk's story arc mm-hmm and he starts off not really wanting to be the captain or he's a bit confused. And at the end, I think he's not confused and he's back to normal again. Yeah, yeah. But how did he get from there to there and what happened in the middle? Because yeah. I don't think we ever addressed that yeah. at all. Yeah. It's just a bunch of stuff happened and now I've changed my mind. Yeah, I can only assume <laughs> that for the last couple of months of the three-year mission... He hasn't kicked any ass. <laughs> yeah, he just needed some <laughs> cathartic ass kicking. He kicked the ass of a bad guy. There was he lost the ship. Didn't get in trouble for it. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, maybe I'll give it a go for another. I'll go. I'll go around one more time. All right, I got two more um, points for you about the ships. Mm -hmm. Now we already said that the 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 Enterprise gets blowed up, mm -hmm. um, and I was a bit disappointed with the blowing up of the Enterprise mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't an epic event. And it didn't have, a, I mean, it was graphically mm. spectacular, of course, mm. but there was no kind of payoff for us. It was like parking the car and then, like, you know, yeah. a tree falls on it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be better if I'd seen the car and I'd pushed the car and pushed it and tried to push it and, you know, called these people to help and, yeah. you know, went through all of this trouble and it still got squashed at the end. Then I'd be, like, infuriated, right? So for me, the, the payoff for that... Destruction. It was just sort of too quick. It was like, hello, okay, shield. Oh, we're dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I would have, you know, liked to have seen us. And I know that the crew were pushing buttons as furiously as possible on the thing, but really, I knew they had no chance from the start. You know, I would have liked to have been, you know, at least 
you know... Well, they would have had if they had VHF radio at the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. So I would have liked them to have, um, yeah, um, had a bit more of a, you know, a back and forth where it looked like, where there was some tension, like, oh, they can do it. They can really do it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, no, but another thing's gone wrong. Yeah. That's like twice as worse. So that was a bit of a problem. The second one that I, I wanted to talk about as well... Unless you guys had any further thoughts on the, the Enterprise. But the other ship, there are oh, One thing I did like about the Enterprise is it, it crash-landed, but they they weren't happy until they actually turned the... Uh, <laughs> flipped it over <laughs> and flipped it onto, a, onto an alien. That is a really cool way to kill somebody. It was. It was it's probably like, how many tonnes? What are we talking about? 82,000 tonnes or something like that. Just flipped on top of this alien. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Straight out of Prometheus, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> But again, another eye-rolling moment is the crash landing because yeah. what's the planet look like? It's these spikes. Looks uh, like the yeah, yeah, like yeah. the pinnacles in Western Australia mm. and big spike. And how can you, you know, Scotty's land safely in his little torpedo, yeah. which really doesn't have brake <laughs> jets? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just you know bounces from rock to rock until he lands and then crawls out. Yeah. And same with it with the whole disc, with the, which is I don't know how many meters. A, you know, hundreds yeah, of meters across, yeah. just skids, skids across the rocks and then comes to grinding halt to everybody who's still inside could sort of... Yeah, and the, the power was still on. Line. I think there was a line in it. The power was <sighs> still on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been... Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, to fall out of the sky and just be like obliterated. Yep. Um, maybe just before I go into the other thing, if we can t- top and tail this yes. with the resurrection of the Enterprise at the end. The Franklin. No, no, no. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll go to the Franklin in a sec. Okay. But I'm going to the end of the movie. Oh yes, the the, uh, the so, stop motion um, resurrection of the thing at the end. Time lapse. So the time lapse. The time yeah. lapse. Mm. So they build another one. So that was again a bit of a shitty moment where they're like, "Oh, oh, I just get another one." Yeah. What <laughs> happens to our workplace? You know, you're, if 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 that if that gets destroyed, yeah. we all look for work elsewhere. Yeah, How long does yeah. it take to build a starship? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just sitting there yeah. at at Far Point. What's it called? Um, Yorktown. Yorktown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting yeah. at Yorktown and. For the months, they're just sitting and having coffee while their ship, while yeah. Federation builds them a new it ship. It would have taken calls, the, calls. the rest of the five-year mission would have been rebuilding it, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, you just sit there. We'll build you a new one. Don't worry. You're still on payroll and um, yeah, yeah. just and chill I, out. I imagine Kirk going in there and saying, Go back know, on board when it's done. Yeah. you got any more Enterprises? Yeah, can't know? we just slap a name well, on, a, on one you've got over there? Yeah, yeah. And they say, oh, yeah, we've got stacks of them out there. You can go and grab one if you want. you take a couple, you know. Yeah. And, and, and what it does is it devalues the enterprise is being a fucking awesome unique yeah, yeah. thing yeah. and and also which it is and and that comes back to your point earlier it when it's a generic commodity when you refer to it as like captain captain america he doesn't die sort yeah. of thing he can't die that's the way we think of the enterprise as well and now that we're destroying them all the time that's what they have to do. They have to have this resurrection machine at the end that they always get a ship at the end. As long as there's letters in the alphabet, they can make new yeah. new enterprises. And, and even the, the high-speed resurrection kind of added insult to injury yeah. where it was just like, we got a new one. There's a, um, a bit of trivia that I found out about the Enterprise that the Yorktown, which was the station's name, the originally old. that was going to be Gene Roddenberry's name for yeah. the Enterprise. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Named after US warships, no doubt. Um, okay, yeah, so the other let one. Me, let me freeze it on these guys for a sec. 
if I can, hopefully the yep. slideshow will stop. Who the hell were these guys? You know the three guys that jumped? That's mm. another thing with They this. weren't sort of connected to the drone army. They weren't connected to the bad guy. Or, or no, were they? but there are several. So what, what happened is the, 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 end up, the, the Franklin crash lands, mm. the crew dies. There's three survivors, ah. which is the captain. So the, these could be in the crew? No. Some of the crew? No. No, because it's hundreds of years later, no. remember? He's using the vampire lightning bolts oh, to yeah. suck yeah, the life out of Yeah, he sucks new people. ships. Oh, this is the whole plot thing that I'm a problem, problem that I'm having. He's got this fleet. He can go anywhere he likes, but he stays on the planet, sucks new ships down, mm-hmm. kills the crew, sucks their Energy. DNA, mm-hmm. and turns into an alien because he takes on characteristics of the life forms that he absorbs. Oh, yeah. And same with uh, what's her face? The... Uh, Uhura. Kalara, Kalara, the 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 bad chick. The, the, the chick who 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 drags them essentially. So she's an old Enterprise crew member, and then his right hand man. So and all the rest of the minions that he has are drones. They're yeah. not. They're not humans. So there's three three old um, Star Trek crew members who bring crews down to the planet, and some of the people probably escape, like uh, our hero Jayla. So she survives, and those guys just scavengers that, that can't get off the planet anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting thing, probably you probably have it lined up for your trivia as well. Um, because it's the 50th anniversary, they made a point of having introducing 15 new alien races oh, did they in really? this film. Yes. Wow. And so they, you know, these two guys are making up the numbers. <laughs> They're 49 and number 50. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Absolutely. Yeah. I see. This is always a problem when you try and get something in your head that they had. It's the 50th anniversary, so we've got to have 50 of something in this yeah. movie, and yeah. then you're now trapped in a in a thing where you're like. I think even there's a there's a ship in it that has the that has a number of. 666 or something like that and it's or 966 and it's because 1966 was the year that it's and it's that stuff all through the film yeah, yeah the franklin uh franklin is NX the father's name well yeah. the franklin the the director's father's name is frank lynn Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's right. The director's last name is Lynn. All right. Oh, right. But then also the number three, Easter eggs everywhere. Uh, three two yeah. six is Leonard Nimmo's birthday. Yes, that's right. March twenty sixth. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, that so, explains these, and that'll also explain the 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 chick that had the snail head right at the very end. That was talking to Chekhov. Oh yeah, that octopus lady. Yeah, she had this big. Oh, she was a looker. Hey? That had a snail on her head. <laughs> um, I didn't pick up most of what you had just explained from watching the actual movie. No. No, me neither. No, no, you don't. No, you got IMDb, that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so... But I think, I mean, you've made, you've made stories. You've, you've mm. told stories, you've written scripts, and I've done similar, uh, either comics or even, you know, short films that we do at, at, at our work. It's fun to put little Easter eggs in there that yeah, nobody yeah. knows. And you giggle a little bit and you say, huh, you know, my, my, my brother will laugh at this one, but yeah. nobody else in the world. Yeah, and yeah. they're doing the same stuff there. Yeah. And the fans love finding those oh, things. Big time they yeah. love it. You know, they, they absolutely love that stuff. I saw, um, and this is just a little bit of a side, side thing. Last night um, I was looking for something to, to watch to, to fall asleep. And I just stupidly um, put on the new... Uh, Leonard Nimoy documentary that his son made. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to watch it. It's, I, I rate it in in the top five documentaries I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's it's thorough. He has access. Um, or doors just open when it's when it's Leonard Nimoy. Um, but there was this billboard on when he died, when Leonard Nimoy died. And I guess we need to mention that as well. During the shooting of this film, two Star Trek legends, one very young one. Um, 
which was Anton Yelchin, mm. um, died. Um, after principal photography, I would say. I don't think we yeah. had any Paul Walker visual effects to put him back in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leonard Nimoy died during during the we making of this film as well. We didn't have effects to put him back in the film, but there, there was a bit of editing at the end when... They paid a little bit of respect through editing, yes. When when Kirk raises his glass to, 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 lost, to, to lost Friends and they cut to Anton Yeltsin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so there was a billboard in Hollywood and it was an all-black billboard and uh, a sort of a... A fairly stylistic piece of artwork of a silhouetted, um, almost a um, Warhol type, uh, black on white, um, and it's Leonard Nimoy's face, and he's got the the that like that, mm-hmm. and then in uh, three words, three uh, three words, um, oh no, two words, he did, yeah, and oh, if you nice. aren't a. Tr- if you are unaware of what this means, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> fair enough. It would have just gone straight. <laughs> so, the amount of people that would have driven past that billboard mm. and not had a clue what that was, but then all the people that did, mm. it's a moment. You have a moment because you are instantly reminded of your investment yeah. in, into yeah. this thing and, and how much you, you love it, you know, and, and you love it for so many different reasons. Uh, there as well, yeah. Which I, and I think that's related to a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. This, this, these little tiny nuances that have been mm. put in there. The fans, the true fans, the people that really respect the lore of Star Trek and how, what it was all based on, mm. um, really get it. And I mm. think that's why this this movie is standing up to the other movies in this more recent uh, franchise. Now, Leonard Nimoy died in March this year? And this film came out in July. July. So were they? Had they? F- they hadn't. They were. They would have finished the script. They would have had this, mm. a, a script in place that did not revolve around Ambassador Spock's death. Yeah, yeah I, so no, that I don't would think... have been an, a late addition to the script, yeah. which is still a very heavy story point. Yeah, hmm. yeah, interesting. It, I got the sense he wasn't in the story at all originally, and they just worked him in by having those envoys talk to Spock when he arrived, and mm. and um, and they might have been pickup. And some pickups, yeah. There would have been some pickups, yeah. Yeah. What did we think of the alien um, that had the... The Cranial appendages. It looked like uh, a Ridley Scott alien's face hugger. Yes. um, Inverted on on the back of her head and she was hiding the uh, thing. That threw me when when that was revealed Mm. in the the movie when I saw it. Mm. It uh, had me think of um, the thing who's... Corman? Dr. Corman? The thing? Yes. Um, the guy's head falls off and sprouts spider legs yeah, yeah. and turns up around. And I was thinking, is she actually... In Star Trek, everyone is humanoid. They all have two arms, two legs. Mostly, mostly, except for Octopus Lady here, the little, <laughs> little snail head. But in what I loved about um, Men in Black... Mm. Some aliens are really just a remote-controlled robot with little guys sitting there doing the remote controls, (laughs) driving the guy's head. And with her, um, I was thinking, wouldn't that have been cooler if that was the alien here? Those are her actual legs, and she's actually just using (laughs) appendages to look like a human, and the rest is just a vehicle that that, that it rides in order to use controls. There's um, uh, one Star Trek novel where a, a hotter becomes a federation crew member mm-hmm. and if you if you know the well, classic series that the, the horta is a a rock monster that you know eats minerals and is about a flat 
this this size little you know rug yeah mm-hmm. with little wobbly tentacles around the edge mm. it's it's made of rock mm. and you know why shouldn't they join the federation <laughs> <laughs> they, they have they, you don't have to have two arms but if you want to move a star trek uh, a spaceship you need to ha- be able to interact so i would love to see more aliens that look really quirky mm. and don't mm. have two arms and two legs but can still join join the feder- federation yep mm. so that's a look at um let's get a score give me a score out of 10 wait we haven't talked about uh just rock i want to roll. talk oh, oh no i want to oh okay yeah yeah well before we leave narrative let's, we, we probably have to let's, at least touch on that most important topic. absolutely yep and more specifically let's let's call it what it is it was the Beastie Boys that took down the... Uh, <laughs> it was the Beastie Boys, that's right. right. The bad guys were taken out by the Beastie Boys. That's right. That's pretty cool. Um, and then not so cool in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. So um, reading some comments of some people who... Somebody had posted up just that, that little bit um, when the... Yeah, so reading some comments, people were sort of saying in the comments that's like... That was fucking awesome <laughs> and didn't make any sense. <laughs> no. That's where, And I think that's a better way of saying what I was just trying to say. That was cool, but at the same time, maybe weird. Didn't make any silly sense. Silly and stupid. I have a slight edit for that, that mm. thing is they could have had the Beastie Boys just as the soundtrack and they could have just been flying through yeah. doing It could have been a frequency that they'd found, they'd a magic yeah, frequency. Or whatever, or some laser tachyon beams or yeah. something or other. And they just had the Beastie Boys playing. It would have been equally as awesome yeah. just without the, hmm, okay, that's a bit weird. And but you see yeah. the you see the guy that's in the control room of um, Yorktown and at one point through that battle, hmm. we've received the frequency, put it out, you know, and so they <laughs> yeah. start destroying from within sort of thing. Mm. But essentially what he's saying is they've torrented us the uh, the, <laughs> the, the music, P- press play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was bizarre. With all the tech that they have at their discretion to think that rock and roll is, is the thing. And they even go to the trouble of hooking up the futuristic boombox mm. on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Why that couldn't? Why right that time. couldn't be just hooked in wherever the boombox was downstairs, where they, or out in the in the galley? They had to bring it to the bridge and put it in, in and yeah. and so that so I guess they so they could press play for the for the press play shot. But I want to break it down just a little bit more. Yeah. So let's imagine that we're in a pitch meeting at the the VFX pitch meeting or the story producer pitch meeting, and somebody's <laughs> doing the pitch, right? What's the pitch? Yeah. They say we're going to have a new Star Trek movie. You know, it's what's, oh, it's going to be lots of fun. It's rock and roll. It's going to, be, but we got this really cool idea. We're going to have the Enterprise in Vernon commas, even though it's the Franklin. Surfing on a wave of killer bees, blowing them up while the Beastie Boys are singing Sabotage. <laughs> and that happened. Somebody said that, right? Yeah. And somebody, and somebody said, approved it. And somebody, somebody approved said, it. Which leads me to think that it might have been. It might have been Abrams. <laughs> it might have been Abrams. He's got a lot of pull. I was I was pretty shocked to see that it was a uh, a bad robot um, production, mm. um, and. I'll bring up some stats. Shocked in a good way? Yeah, no, sh- well, shocked to, to know that it was still affiliated with this film, even though yeah. it was a different director, different yeah. writer, um, but Bad Robot is, is the production house. He was house. still very much affiliated with the film. That means he probably signed a three-movie deal. He was supposed to be the director, but then Star Wars got in the way and he was doing uh, Force Awakens. Let me, um, I've got it here. Check this out. This is Bad Robot's... Um, 
track record. And it's kicking some ass. Check that out there. Look at these figures, right? These are lifetime gross theatres. This is theatre takings, right? But imagine the front end that he's getting off these films because it's like Lucasfilm um, and Bad Robot shared the production um, uh, for Force Awakens. All the Star Trek movies, um, you've got Ghost Protocol, a couple of Mission Impossibles there, Cloverfield. But then you get down um, into beyond this, You've got uh, Lost, and he's he's actually it's his it's Bad Robot that, that's doing the new Westworld, which mm. is receiving Ooh. critical acclaim. It's, yeah, right. it's very successful, and I think we should. Are you, have you gotten into Westworld yet? I've 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 started watching it. I haven't. I've got, been holding off. I mm. have. Um, I haven't gotten to the point where it gets interesting. It, it's mm. pretty slow, and I stopped watching it for a while. But I've I've read that it mm. gets really good from episode five or six on um, no i'm not sure where they're at yet but yeah. yeah you have to go through the first three or four episodes before it really starts taking off and then it gets really good yeah so i was really um i was impressed like uh, and when you think about it you know every time you see that little bad robot um animation at the start of a film that's that's jj abrams mm. actual it's it's his production company mm. like lucas was like lucasfilm was lucas's production company mm. that gives him a lot of this stuff to do his own projects and do whatever he whatever he wants so i was um well if you look at the choice of films that are there in the list and how much money they made uh this is sorted by money you know 250 million 228 million 200 million and then there's this star wars <laughs> jump to uh, almost a billion dollars that is not because it's that's mm. because it's a franchise it's because it has so many fans that yeah. just you know yeah. run run to it so yeah. it's not just him it's he picks the right Mm. It picks the right... Uh, my guess, this is my prediction, just while projects. we're looking at this, um, I foresee the Rogue One film breaking all kinds of records as well. Maybe not that one, but I Probably reckon... Probably not that one. I reckon it's going to be very successful. That's my prediction. I've got, I've got a, That's a different show, but um, I've got a lot of reasons why I think that is going to actually uh, take off. So, mm. can we arrive at a score... Out of let's make it out of five, right? Because it's it's part of more scores, right? We'll add all the scores together to give an overall score, and we'll put that in the notes for the show um, later on. Hmm. So there'll be a, a Tom score, Dan score, my score. Um, so to start the scoring process for narrative, what would you give it out of five? I think I <laughs> something. Three if I'm generous, two yeah. if I'm not. That's you can give point fives. I have two point five then. Yeah, yeah. That's because right. there are holes in the plot that make it a bit yeah. un, 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 unbelievable. It's, it's more complex than that. Like I said, if you sit sit back and you Monday Monday morning quarterback it, you know, and just sort of analyze it, yeah, you'll come up with problems. But when I was there, in the moment, watching it, you know, I was perfectly happy. So. Yeah, it's a bit weird. No, I, I had constant problems with Krull's... Krull? 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 Evil guy. Yeah, is it Krull? Is it Krull? It's Krull. With his motivation? Krull, I had problems I think with it's K-R-A-L-L. -L. Yeah. Because I kept hearing Krull, mm. and yeah. that's another movie for another time. No, but, yeah. but he... not, not with his, we, we didn't know what his motivation was, yeah. but I had problems with the fact that he has, right from the outset, he's incredibly powerful and... <clears> uh, <throat> 
and still sits on this planet and wants revenge. Yeah. I had problems with Kirk's motivation to becoming an admiral. So mm. this thing, those things. Mm. So two point five had me had me sort of not being throughout the entire film that just sort of. So those it, of it. fix those things and it would kick it up to what maybe a three and a half four. I, I now after I've watched it the second time I could watch it again. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Second time around I'd love it. Cool, mm. Dan. Yeah, I'm about 2.5. And I missed out on things. Tom had to explain things. As he said, oh, the alien ships were this and that, and they found the – like, for example, they the, 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 the killer bees were, in fact, um, mining robots. I never managed to work that out whilst, whilst watching the movie mm. and the, and that the other two crew members were part of um, Kral's crew. You know, I never worked that out either. So yeah. No, that wasn't really the, – they explained that me, – Me neither. Not until this podcast did mm. I realise that the, the chick that got uh, – that had a – spaceship landed uh, dumped on her head mm. um i didn't realize she was actually part of his crew where, was, where did it tell us that in the they, movie? at the very end when they close all the files and um they, they zoom out from all the crew members from the franklin they do there is the, the captain and yep. there she is and there is his right yeah. hand and those are the three big files that are on screen they and they, they all get closed down yeah. case closed but they yeah. are oh, yeah, you know they have yeah, so much yeah, makeup yeah. you okay. don't recognize apart from from um Main guy? Id- Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Apart from him, you don't know what the others look like without mm. their makeup, so yeah. you couldn't you couldn't really know, mm. I think. Yeah. The, and I, I found it a pity that we didn't see more of Idris Elba. Like, uh, when we saw Eric Banner in that first a- Abrams film, we saw the actor and and then he just – he came out of that that persona, and but we knew that it was a powerful performance from an actor – because he had so much prosthetics on this guy, on the bad guy, and we only, on a couple of shots, got to see that it was him, I found it a pity because I, I got a thing for, I think he's got a huge future in mm. film. I think he's going to be, um, everything he touches, every role he plays is really mm. well done. He's a little under, I don't know, under-recognised, I suppose? Yeah, he's fairly new on the scene. He's quite an old actor, but he's played mm. a lot of TV, uh, TV roles, and um, um, he's the... He's the gatekeeper in in, um, in Thor's kingdom. He's oh, the right. guy with the big gold. Oh, okay. The, the Bifrost. He's mm-hmm. the watcher or the keeper of the Bifrost. He's probably got a name. I'm just not up with the uh, that sort of stuff. But, yeah, he's he's good. And he's the only good thing in the... Um, <laughs> Pacific Rim. Yes. He was the only good thing in Pacific Rim. <laughs> Pacific Rim is a film you don't want to expect too much from from the outset. You want to see big robots fighting and you get that. So. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to give it three. A narrative uh, three. A, th- a narrative three. And the main reason is that I think it's um, – I was – I found it quite pleasant to have all those little cliché, those little micro-references and things like mm. that because I've, I've been a Trekkie for a very long time. But that's right? not part of the narrative so much. Well, I think the way they worked it in there was quite quite good. I, I liked the fact that they worked in the, the – um, the Admiral Kirk thing, um, the contemplation of where is my place in this Star mm. Trek um, fleet. Um, I liked it. I didn't mind that. I uh, I would have given it more if not for the plot points of because I, I I just hate it when there is a mechanism like the Eagles in in <laughs> Lord of the Rings when there's a mechanism that could have. Sorted the whole thing yeah, really just, early. That's right. But instead, they, they just don't use it. Uh, someone explained to me the other other day that uh, it was I was it was it wasn't explained directly to me, but I heard it in a podcast that, and I don't, it might have been in a podcast, it might have been one of you guys that the original books, the Lord of the Ring books, 
the Eagles were assholes that they didn't the reason why they didn't drop them off at the volcano is that they sort of said yeah this is the last time too you know you know just stop bothering us and leave us alone blah 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 and that's why they just dropped them off on a ledge somewhere or whatever <laughs> um, and that sort of makes a little bit more sense why they yeah. weren't used to but they still saved the day and stuff like that so yes I would have given it more if not for those sorts of things so let's move on now to um, to talk about the film as a technical achievement and um, we'll encompass um, basically the technical craft um, also, I want to start out by saying, uh, while we were watching it, I got a feeling that it was film. It wasn't. In fact, it is the first completely digital shot Star Trek film. Really? The first? Yeah. Apparently so. Oh. Um, it was uh, Alexa. Um, they also used red in some... Let me bring it up here. I've actually got a, a little bit of a technical breakdown here. Uh, where is it? Uh, this one. So, oh, two cool. hours, two minutes. Um, it was Ari Alexa, looks like. And I've, I'm pretty sure these are in order um, of of use. So, there was a Red Epic Dragon used. Um, that could have been for maybe the on-bridge stuff and then the outside stuff. It depends on... on and and cinematographers will do that nowadays. They'll use a certain camera for inside and a different camera And they'll probably outside. have first unit, second unit, third unit. Absolutely. And it, and it's you know, maybe cheaper to, to strap a bunch of Aries to, to the gimbal rigs. Hmm. I'm going to get to the gimbal rigs, man. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Um, but, yeah, and it looks like um, complete digital. Um, I think it was the first Star Trek film that didn't use Panavision lenses or something like that as well. There's a there's a trivial thing mm. I'll, I'll bring up here in a minute, um, but yeah, that's the um, that's the technical breakdown of uh, some of the kit that they used. Um, do you want to put that on full screen? So oh yes, yes, let's do that. It's a great idea. There we are. Um, so yes, yeah, so Ari Alexa is looks like it's probably the the main uh, the main thing that was shot there. That then leads me to think that they went to a lot of trouble to make it look like film because mm. we looked we watched that film in a in a very high res scenario there and it was soft. Everything was really soft and I've we've seen the product that, that comes out of digital cameras. They don't look that way mm. and the noise. Um, the softness of the of of everything in the shot, even the focal and even the focal uh, point was soft. It, I think that was deliberate. I think they actually made it, tried to make it look uh, a little softer than it would have come out of the camera. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of a technical breakdown. So let me talk about gimbals. <laughs> that was my pet hate. Let's let's go around here and first of all, we'll say, okay, what is something that technically didn't work for you? For me. It was the use of gimbal rigs. Um, and I'm not talking about just camera gimbal, gimbal rigs because we had a lot of cameras doing shit that you shouldn't... To me, a lot of scenes felt like the old uh, Ramus um, Spider-Man films when we were doing shit in 3D for the first time, shooting cameras in New York City and whatever. Um, and not for a good enough reason were we seeing all of this, this gimbaled movement, but they also had massive gimbals built with with set pieces actually built onto the gimbals. Mm-hmm. That's for people walking up walls and all those mm. shots where we saw people walking up walls and things like that. It, they used it way too much. Mm-hmm. 
um, they they do that in in, in in space films. It's it's a weird thing because a you're in, there's no dimensionality. There's there's three up down left right center forward backward. You can go in all directions. There's no up and down. So yeah. You can, you know, why should all spaceships always fly towards yes. each other at the same orientation? Having having things going in all weird directions <clears throat> and that disorienting nature, that I think that is a good thing to do in space films. You can't overdo it because the audience gets this disoriented. Mm. But spaceships have this, um, and, and then the spaceship uh, crash lands and suddenly everyone's walking on a wall. You know, what happened to the artificial gravity? Yeah, is yeah. the artificial gravity that it slide into the into the walls or something? <laughs> yeah. No matter which way the spaceship is turning, they should still be, as long as artificial, either it's on or it's off. That's right. If it's off, they're floating. If it's off, they're floating. And, exactly right. Or in, in, that's a big, that's another of those, you know, nitpicking things I have about uh, Into Darkness. The spaceships crash onto the planet and everybody's, in the spaceship hanging off uh, of of gantries and they're pulling each other up you know if you're in free fall yeah you're float you're the flying. gantry flows guys down exact same speed as you are you know you're just floating it's it's cool Absolutely. unless unless you hit the ground everything's cool free fall is not a bad thing but in 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 here yeah whenever there has to be action they have to be rolling around the place so you know ships have inertial dampness they can't go to warp speed in a few seconds without their brain splatting against the wall. They should be able to deal with a bit of a hard right turn. Yeah. Sounds like it's a bit of a legacy of Fast and Furious, <laughs> you know, which is the director's yeah. previous, <laughs> you There's know. There's some crazy shit in those franchises, which, in that franchise. And, you know, this is another one of those sort of sort of general complaints that, you know, the, the old TV show, well, you didn't have any of that stuff. And you also, in the old TV show, you can't have spaceship battles because you really don't have the special yeah. effects uh, no technology or yeah. budget to do it. So Absolutely. you have to talk to your enemies. That's what I was saying about mm. episodes of... Um, That's why we've got beam, um, beam technology because they couldn't work out how to... Well, they couldn't afford... To land a ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they came up with beam technology. Yeah. <laughs> Those constraints actually forced you to be, you know, push out the creativity in different directions. If yeah. you've got no constraint, then, you know, yeah. there's nothing sort of holding and you And don't down. get me started on the beam technology, like when they get to the Yorktown and everyone's on trains. <laughs> yeah, some people beam. There was some people beaming. <laughs> people beaming as well. As well. There was one in guy, the same shot. It was like beam there's a guy in the like train like whizzes past. It's like telephone booth. Why would a... you get on that? <laughs> Nostalgia. So, so did, was there something technically that um, you weren't happy with in the film? No, I get your point. I think it was, um, yeah, it was a bit too rock and rolly and a little bit too movie aroundy. I was serious. I'm shit scared of watching it in 3D. I've got it on 3D uh, Blu-ray. I'm not. I'm a bit worried to watch it because I haven't been made to feel sick in 3D yet. Um, I've been pretty pretty good with it. But if there's a film that's going to make me feel crook, it's going to be this one. I find that um, when watching 3D, uh, if the camera's moving too fast or the things are moving too fast on the screen and it's in 3D, my poor old brain is trying to catch up with where things are spatially located and, I, and it gets to be a bit of a blur. Mm. Um so yeah, I take your point. You know what you said. I think you said it on the on the day that everything was just uh, cinematography. I suppose was moving around a little bit too much. Mm. So Tom, you got to things were meant to be cool. I mean, the the riding of the waves and the camera spinning inside the barrel of the the killer bees, Kirk on a motorcycle yeah. hooning yeah, around, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. twelve holographic copies of him all around. It was really visually visual coolness, mm. and if that doesn't get backed up by by reason mm. then you can get taken out of the narrative yeah and I mean 
it for me it was just a, a bit jarring, like um, and a bit too much of it. Mm. But yeah, there were some cool moments when they sort of used it. Um, so so let's flip it then. Well, let's pause on this for a second while it's up there. Yeah. The, this was the actual official uh, Star Trek Beyond, and it was an homage to the original 1970, I want to say 1979, yeah, um, poster for the original Star Trek, which <sighs> it's got to be one of the worst Star Trek films ever. <laughs> Not the worst, but definitely one uh, of the worst. Reasons. And this mainly because was... they got better. And we have to compare it to the others that got better. But there was one in there with Spock's brother. There was a shocker. Oh, so both, yeah. The that final was William frontier. Shatner's, yeah, yeah, William Shatner's William Shatner directed yeah. it, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that's worth mentioning that uh, the... This is that homage, that look back. Mm. You know, the, we're here today because of where we were, sort of thing. And they use that on the on the official poster. It's pretty cool. They've really done a very detailed job. I mean, mm. even stars seem to be in the same place in the image. Oh, Anything that's too. different is the orientation of the spaceship, really. Yeah, yep. of the Enterprise. They have too. But anyway, yeah, I like that type of thing. No, mm. that that was good. I mean, the streaking. I hadn't noticed that it was a home. I hadn't. I just found those streakiness reminiscent of so many Star Trek. But you just look yeah. up, you know, the undiscovered country, and uh, mm. all that changes the perspective angle. But yeah. streaks everywhere as well. Yeah. Um. So I had said, oh yeah, they're paying homage to the streakiness of the old ones. But yeah, it's really a nice, nice, uh, nice one. So let's flip it on the head now. And, and what is your favorite? Um, what is something that you believe technically was brilliant in the piece? Who wants to go first? Tom, you can go Look, first. Look, uh, the swarm ships were awesome. I'm, I'm, you know... I'm do, trying to I think do... of something to say other than the swarm, <laughs> swarm ships. <laughs> no, they, they, uh, they, they can, can, can name a few things. They, the swarm ships, because simple polygons on screen, render times, that... That's something that scares me. Yeah, the simulations. The, 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 the sims, the, the motion blur, the hundreds upon hundreds, and this can all be created procedurally these days, mm. but it's just a, a choreography that, <clears throat> that previous would have spent a lot of time with yeah. getting getting gaining that right. The, the, the barrel that they fly in like, like a surfer. Mm. Um, the other things that I found I loved is the smoke that turns into a solid yeah. wall oh, yeah, thing. Cool. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was a brilliant idea. It looked lovely, maybe because yeah. it has a nice, nice warm color. On, on this planet, everything yeah. is blue. The yeah. color grading yeah. shifts everything yeah. into the blues, and that crystalline nature. And then you have this, really cool. this warm orangey. So maybe, maybe just by yeah. emotionally, I felt, oh, thank God, there's a bit of color. And but and how he I used it too, you know, he used it to to good effect as well. Mm. The way he used it to block to block the bad guys from the good guys, and, um, and yeah. it was also a novel idea. You hadn't yeah. really seen a smoke-filled yeah. trap like that before. That was a new thing. That was yeah. another cool thing. It wasn't just another laser beam thing. You and really as a third beams. thing that I can say, I found really visually awesome was on the Yorktown how often do you see a spaceship under yeah. under your 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 you know pond yeah, yeah. Yes. The, the people are yeah. walking there's the walkways there's the trains and then there's this bloody spaceship beneath your feet mm. coming in uh, didn't make much of a sense. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but it was and the opportunity awesome. for uh, disastrous errors yeah. is also quite yeah, staggering. This, with that, all these 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 skyscrapers <laughs> left, right, and center. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. maneuvering. Your and there was spaceship. only enough room. There's like a meter on either side. Yeah. But I'm, sp- I'm and sure the Frank- they had computers. The Franklin that can't were. be one of the the biggest spaceships. No. Was it the Franklin? Uh, the, no, they had both of them in there. Remember? Both of them. Yeah. yeah. So. There's bigger ones yeah. around. What does they What do they do when the Enterprise D comes to visit? It's um, it's my favourite. That's that's my 
technically, I thought I thought it was brilliant. Um, I definitely loved. I liked when it, they launched. Well, there we go. There's that ship. Yeah, the Enterprise D would probably fit as well. Yeah, barely, barely. When they when they when oh, they yeah, had when to they launched. go out to the yeah, nebula yeah. and um, when they launched and everything was sort of um, zipping back into the into the back of the frame and mm. yeah that looked pretty cool it as looked well. pretty cool again it was just from a story point of view that's another bit of a dangerous thing when you've yeah. got engaged warp drive yeah, yeah. when you're inside the Yorktown absolutely almost. it's like extreme <laughs> impulse um, from, from in the dock yeah yeah it's like you know it had it had um, your tires when you're exiting the parking lot. It did have some um, that particular shot where they launched at high speed out of it. It almost felt like the old Battlestar Galactica Vipers yeah. Vipers getting launched, <laughs> yeah. didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they just sort of and you see the tunnel sort of disappear behind it. Mm. Um, no, technically I, I was really uh, impressed with that. Likewise with this the swarm uh, as well. Um, I liked the. Um, I also thought technically they got the drone army. Um, the actual bipedal characters, they were all digital. Um, there was nobody in a suit. The only people that were in a suit on the bad guy side were the, those couple of members of the crew that, mm. you, that you mentioned earlier. Every every other scene that we see them, mm. um, there was only maybe one shot, I think, where the animation didn't it felt a little floaty. And they were always in, in the dark. They were yeah. always moving fast. There was always fighting, so you yeah. couldn't really tell. And they didn't do anything other than walk and shoot, so it's yeah. not like they were acting. They yeah, were that's right. Moving around. They, they looked robotic, yeah. and I guess mm. that's what they were. Um, and but yeah, the Yorktown to me was was an incredible uh, because we've how do you come up with something new when yeah. we've seen so many space stations in the past and mm. Deep Space Nine? It sort of had a bit of Deep Space Nine feel to it, didn't mm. it? It was like take Deep Space Nine and then co- duplicate it about four times and then offset. Spin, yeah, spin I, uh, I read offset a comment or something. It says Yorktown looks like Deep Space Nine with the uh, Apple. I- Apple shop interior decorators <laughs> having a go at it. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, Dan, what about you? Um, look, on top of yeah, my only addition was the um, on what we've already said was the Yorktown itself. Just inside it, when you know there's all these sort of buildings that are upside down on these big curves overhead, and then there's another one further in the distance, and you've got this nice plaza and all these people walking around. Yeah, I found that was pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, the. Um the the need to go through a an asteroid field seems to be um, something that is staple for um, it sort of relates a little bit to the narrative because someone came mm. up with the story sort of reason for doing it but mm. I've always struggled with that and that's that three-dimensional space thing again yeah. it's mm. like are we talking about a complete dome? Around the whole Sphere. planet. Of, How much mass would that be? Would yeah. that be that that would just coagulate into a planet. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So just the go, go around the thing. Was when, when they went through the asteroid field. I mean, if you go through an asteroid field out in space right now, there's no chance you're going to hit anything because there's like a 50 yeah. billion gazillion kilometers between the, each rock. Yeah. Yes. But the asteroid field in movies, there's yeah. like two meters bef- yeah, yeah. between each Mount Everest, and they're all coming towards <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the, I love reading old science fiction film books as many do, and one of my favorite shows as as, as a kid was Captain Future, <laughs> and that was an American. Uh, uh, Edmund Hamilton, uh, written in the 1920s, 30s. And uh, 1920s, you thought that Venus had an atmosphere, and so therefore probably there are Venusians living there, and it's probably jungle world. Yeah. Uh, but the distances, they had no clue. The little little um, writer who writes a science fiction story on his typewriter is just not 
can't fathom the actual distances. And one of the Captain Future stories that I will never forget is they're doing a race. They're doing a space race around the planets. They're, r- they're starting at Mercury. <laughs> and they're going left around Venus and right around the Earth. <laughs> and here comes Mars and go up and above Mars. And, and not only do they do that and, yeah. and it, uh, they, they also go th- past them in you know in order. They uh, go from yeah. Mercury to Venus <laughs> yeah. to Mars to to Earth to Mars to Jupiter, yeah. as if they're all in, 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 in one strong line yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, um, what stories do we have think? to be that way. They have to be dense, you know. Yeah. They have to be compact, you know. They have to cram a lot of stuff in there. Take because, liberties because otherwise it'd be like, and now we're heading to Mercury, and there'd be like blank page, blank page, blank page, blank page. And blank even page, if you page, even if you time lapsed it, you know, somebody's <laughs> cooking breakfast three hundred times, and it still doesn't even <laughs> yeah, come close. Yeah. Um, what did we think of the holog- uh, not the holographic, the um, the stealth um, effects? They were hiding the, the hiding the hiding stuff. Yeah. Yep. Did we like that. I missed the trap. Was there a trap? I think I might have left the room. Did Kirk and um, Chekhov get caught in one of her traps? Yes. Yeah. That was the smoke. The, the smoke the, that turned into the. Um, yeah, I missed that. The I must have been smoke. out of the room. So that was the sticky smoke. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the these all these these aliens that are on the planet that haven't been caught that haven't been absorbed. They're surviving by hiding. Yeah. So she's got that home in mm-hmm. the Franklin, and she only is there for so many years because you holographically camouflage it. And you sometimes see the drone ship flying overhead. So. Yeah. You know what I thought was conspicuously missing was the hero shot of the Franklin. Oh, yeah. You never saw the Franklin. Mm. You either saw people inside it walking around or you saw a little bit on the top. A little bit at the side, yeah. Or mm. off a million miles away when it was doing the sabotage thing on the wave of bees. Mm. You see a few nice close-ups when they start, when they plunge it off the side of the cliff. But, but it's even still half those, buried, even those half buried, and then yeah. this extreme, oh my god, angle. It wasn't the hero shot. No, no. It wasn't the let's respect mm. the Franklin and just let's just have a good look at it for a second and go, well, that's pretty cool. Well, how much yeah. respect would they have for a ship if they just threw the Enterprise down the down the drain? You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. that was the main ship. But that's what I'm. My complaint was that that was missing. That that you know, I wanted to see the Franklin. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to see it being cool and being like, I'm the Franklin. Here I come. You know, and yeah. it's like I didn't kind of get that shot. There's a um, there's a shot here that somebody's come up with. I think this is a scale representation of because there's more more. But this is a so we got the Death Star versus the, next to the. The Yorktown, right? Yes, and but this this is dubious as, at best. I don't know the source of this. This could be spurious uh, internet. This could be an, an internet thing hmm. that someone's come up with. But I mean, it helps it to understand. Of, it looks, it looks yeah. right. Yeah. There's also another right. homage. Remember that the the Millennium Falcon flies around inside the Death Star. Does it? Oh, it does. It does. Right. It does too. It flies around inside the Death Star and the. Yeah, was flying around inside the Franklin, and I guess bad robots. I then. noticed that when that happened, they can <laughs> step in I've and seen out of this it. Before, so here's a nice. Uh, we're showing a shot. It's a it's a production shot, I guess, of all of the main characters standing on the bridge of the uh, the Enterprise, and there's Idris Elba there. Um, this, I think, is oh. Before we, we we'll give we'll give a score for technical in a moment, but these all these people signed a three year deal. Yeah. Um, with the exception of Spock and Kirk. A three-film deal. A three-film deal, sorry, yes. Yep. They have just re-signed for one more film. Mm-hmm. So it looks like we're, it's more than a trilogy and that we'll get another one. You got the feeling that some of those story bits was probably needed a little bit more tying up. <clears throat> um, 
One thing technically that stuff. is worth mentioning too is um, it's really nice to watch a Star Trek film that now that they've come off the accelerator with lens flares. Um, that first film with J.J. Mm. Abrams, I think he actually found... Hmm. Yeah, there were a lot actually. Optical flares it. from video Hey, there's Co-Pilot. a button that does flares. <laughs> and Has anybody noticed this? And it sounds funny, right? But I think it's the truth. I think what you just said is exactly what happened because <laughs> optical... Um, Anamorphic lens flares in post-production have always been problematic. You've had to make your own, right? And that's they're, and they're not that easy to make. You know, you got to. You've I got think to, the problem was that it was too easy to make, and so everybody would make. Well, he found everywhere. a plug-in. He found. <laughs> Look, I found it in the net. There's a, there's a plug-in, and and the guy that sells the plug-in is the guy that got the gig to do the closing title sequences, which was oh, video yeah, copilot, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Andrew yeah. Kramer. Mm-hmm. He sells the optical flares plug-in, and it is still today the best. They're using it in films all the time. Mm. Um, optical lens flares, anamorphic lens flares, digital lens flares. Um, so he just thermostat went hard and too hard, and now we've come back and we've equalised because the bridge of the Enterprise is pretty special. It's mm. it's a pretty mm. special thing. Technically, gentlemen, um, this the swarming destruction of the Enterprise. What did you think of that? You know, to see the two nacelles getting ripped off and floating off into space, and that created all of the sort of internal structure. And I know that when you were coming in on some of those shots, you could see in the little windows. You could see people walking walk, in past yeah. the windows, and yeah. same with the little turbo blue fan things on the nacelles um, and I think that also paid off when they were doing the speed rebuild later on that they had all of that sort of structure built in, in some form or other yeah um, so yeah and then when it's blowing up and stuff all the amount of debris and the burning and the stuff that's going on inside mm. yeah it's it's spectacular and it's really deep there's like you know so much Effort. Effort. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And for the first few minutes, you think, oh, they're going to get out of there, hopefully. And suddenly you see the nacelles nibbled yeah. off and floating off. Yep. Tactically, it was was well made. You know, mm. cripple, cripple it first, then they get away. So cut its throat, yep. kill it off for good. Um, I like the fact that the bad guys could come out of these things as well. Like they embed. Yeah. Um, at first you think, oh, they're using these these small ships as a weapon as, mm. a, as, a, as a hammer you know effect um, and because of the volume of them the sheer amount of them then you could just sort of hammer away and just destroy everything but the fact that the the landing force was inside them and they could embed themselves in there open up and jump out um, I I was a little surprised to, to notice that the crew of the Enterprise actually worked that out they said get your guns before any f- shots were actually fired, they they knew that that's what was going to happen. Uh, Did you notice that? You, they sort of you get yeah, sort of security get boarded. Yeah. I think if you if you get attacked in space, you sort of expect that probably you get boarded. Yeah, you, probably protocol. They probably just had the yeah. protocol yeah. in place. But yeah, I love the way that they formed up in an arrow shape as well. They sort of swung around and formed up into a sharp arrow mm. shape and then hit the side. And mm. you know, um, I thought technically that was really cool. <clears throat> yeah. Like I said before, it's not often you see space battles do something new Mm. and this was new Mm. to me was there any special effects um perhaps green screeny stuff that you thought was a little bit under par i didn't find any Um, what about you tom yes i say that with a loaded there's a loaded question (laughs) there was a guy in free fall what was that he got sucked out yeah so a guy in free fall 
on the on the planet? Was it no Scotty hanging? It wasn't Scotty yes, hanging Scotty off the thing. Hanging, was it was Scotty hanging? I'm off pretty the thing? sure that that was uh, Michael. Ah yes. When Scotty was up on hanging the cliff, over the cliff, ho- hanging over the cliff, that's where the green screen, yes. color grading just started to Something didn't look right. started to just not. Gel. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now, my, mine was not Scotty. Mine was you might be talking about with Yorktown Kirk. at the end when they're flying in those in those gravity eddies yeah. and flying through. And there's a oh, white okay. because I distinctly know it's a white background. There was some mm. and this is the edges. It looked a bit. Yeah. Um, yep. So, out of uh, out of five, gentlemen, I'm I'm telling I'm keeping the score here. Out of five, give me a score for technical. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of these, uh, and in some ways, although we, we're just talking about how much hard work goes into it, and love and passion and money and lens flares, um, <laughs> it seems easy to do the special effects well yeah. Yeah. in comparison to the story, which oh. is our, our standard sort of complaint. Yeah. That out of the two sort of fields, it's pretty damn easy to get something friggin' awesome it's a special effect, but not so easy to get the story organised. And far more likely that you'll stuff up the story than... Yeah, than you, the, you're right. Than the effects. Especially when the, the people that are doing these things are, um, you know, they're the, the best in the world, you know. Uh, there was a there was a, a lead, or the technical director for one of the production houses, mm. his actual name is James Kirk. <laughs> He's the technical director on the film. For one of the houses, um, and, and I definitely know what you mean. But before we move on from technical and give it a grade, what did we think of that time lapse shot at the end, though? Even though that narrative, yes, technically, technically it looked pretty damn awesome. Yeah, it would have been a yeah. a big it's undertaking. Well, we, we, I, my assumption is at least a team of four or five people, at least for months. It would have been months to put that together. Mm. I, w- I would say minimum three three months. Mm. Team of five people. I really like the animation in there. Mm. I know that somebody thought very carefully about the, what a heavily very previous, heavy yeah. object yeah. would look like being, being moved very slowly yeah. in high speed. And constructed. <laughs> like, yeah. how big are the bits? And did you notice yeah. they the wholesale big sort of 200-metre pieces? Of yeah, the, the, the whole metal, bridge section just yeah, comes, just comes in and gets in. plonked in. Yeah. I yeah. guess yeah. that's probably because a lot of Federation spaceships look very similar. Yeah. They have this different things in different areas so there's maybe a there's a, a standard bridge section kit that probably gets delivered <laughs> it sort of made it helped make sense of how they could build the Yorktown that the fact that they that's how they were building a ship like that in big chunks there mm. was massive big chunks and stuff Clicking together yeah it wasn't just every panel was nailed on like the old yeah. um, the original Star Trek films where we see that they do that the big slow fly around of the ship and you see somebody sort of welding, welding <laughs> in a yeah. space suit. Um, so, yeah, I th- I, it's worth mentioning. So, yes, please, give me a score. I don't know, four out of five, only because I'm saving five for cool. something awesomer. Yep. No, I'm, I'm giving it uh, for the 2D version, not having seen the 3D version and how that holds yes, up. Yes, yes. But... Uh, for the 2D version, I'd, I'd give it a five out of five. I don't, I don't know how you could do it better. Yep. Did yes, I say um, 4 out of 5? I meant 4.5 out of 5. Right. <laughs> yeah, 4.5. No, I meant 4.5. And I agree with Dan. Uh, I would say it's a 4.5 mainly because um, you need room for things like Avatar, you know, if something comes along. Oh, like, that, that, that's a 6 out of 5, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah we might have to do that. We might have to ex- exceed scale. our scale. Yeah. Um, so narrative, technical, 
what other what other area should we um, give it a score? If even if not, uh, even if we don't have a lot to talk about. Um, well, what I was thinking about was um, character acting. Mm. Maybe two of those those things together yep. somehow. Yeah, we'll put the. How about we put that under production? Um, so we're we're talking cinematography, acting. Um, you know the the actual movie making process. And my um, my thoughts on that is that I kind of liked what the actors were doing. Yeah. Um, I could see, um, you know. I could see the old Star Trek TV show characters in the actors, their yeah. mannerisms. They captured a lot of those things. Well, not a lot, but they captured just enough yeah. that um, Kirk would actually, um, you know, sound like Captain Kirk. And Spock, I suppose, is pretty easy to do yeah. in some senses. Well, but it's it's in, it's very internal. Um, Spock as a character, and because Nimoy sort of laid the foundation. Is a very internal performance. Mm. If you ever watch the original pilot, the the one that didn't, oh, the, the cage, the, yeah, the cage, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. where Spock is the only person that survived that pilot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, maybe there was, a there was one actress then. that also survived, but she only survived because she was married to well, Major Barrett, but she was the first Roddenberry's officer wife. then, and then became the nurse. And that's Roddenberry's yeah. wife. Yeah, um, wasn't at the time, I think. No, I don't think at the time. No, um, if you if you look at it, it was the different. It, the the captain was very internal mm -hmm. it was a very internal driven performance and Spock was external oh, it was right. actually quite a lot of you know p p uh, emotional sort of uh, performance and then when they got to restart the process he took on that same role he took on a lot of the performance cues from the old captain mm -hmm. because Shatner was very out, out his performance is all outside mm. but I think they are now uh, the the gift that Roddenberry gave them. That's what it makes them do what you know they do so well. I think because you've got those three characters make one person. You know you've got um, Spock, Kirk, and Bones. Smoke Spock, Kirk, and Bones. They're they're the heart. They're the hub always, right? And they're so different. They're so flawed, but together when they're all three of them. They're perfect. They're mm. the perfect thing. Spock is uh, Bones is way overpassionate. He's way too mm. human. Mm. You know, Spock is the opposite. Mm. Kirk's in between those two, mm. um, but he he doesn't. You know, he just rushes in. You know, mm. where he can, and he, he makes snap decisions. The others don't make snap decisions for two different, very different reasons, sort of thing. But together, and so these guys, they come along and they inherit that that background bring their own performance cred and they pull it off really, really well. The uh, the only observation I had was I thought that Bones was a little intense. Yeah. I thought, you know... But he was in the, in the original as well. Uh, I, I thought he... It's going to sound weird, but he had a subdued intensity. Hmm. Uh, he, he, had a, he, he had a focused deliberateness, you know, yeah. whereas um, <clears throat> I felt... That the um, the guy who was doing um, bones in this one was on the loud side yeah. of that. Yeah. Carl Urban. Yeah, Carl Urban. Yeah. That was my only. I thought it was interesting that they had their own little micro adventure together. That yeah. made for some cool stuff. That was that was a good mm. good part of the film. Yeah, and and in the in the original series, whenever they were sharing screen time, it always meant for some pretty because made for some there's pretty the conflict. Mm. Yeah, because you get that conflict. Yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. And Bones loves to take 
take the mickey, you know, take mm. the piss out of uh, out of very racist in a very racist way. You mm. know what I mean? Green blooded, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, what you need to be more human. And, you <laughs> yeah, know, in yeah. this day and age, you couldn't you couldn't really get away with it. Um, but yeah, so um, cinematography wise, what did we think? Um, let me let me throw up some locations. These are uh, a little bit of trivia about um, some of these locations. This is the first film that all the interiors were shot outside of Hollywood. Okay. Vancouver. Uh-huh. Mainly for the, uh, tax the almighty tax offset, which it looks to me like maybe some of these countries, Dubai, did you recognise any... The taxpayers sh- of Vancouver paid for the film. Oh, absolutely. They would have paid for a big chunk of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because when you're doing sh- shooting principal photography... Mm. That's what we were doing, man. When we, when they were making Matrix in Australia and Star Wars, the the prequels, mm. they were getting offsets, man. Mm. They were getting dollar for dollar offsets, mm. um, and as a result, we were our industry was flourishing, and that's why we all work in other other countries now because we don't our government won't pay for these things. But did you see any shots that reminded you of Dubai? No, there were some rocky chasms, but. Mm. I mean, that could have been shot anywhere, couldn't Dubai's it? Dubai's a desert. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that leads me to think that maybe some subsidy dollars came from Dubai you as well. The end credits, I saw Dubai mentioned a lot. So the, I got the impression that a large chunk of the film was filmed there. Maybe maybe everything on the planet. Yeah. Maybe not all the exterior scenes. It could have been. It could have been. Dubai Airport. It looks a bit like the I, town. Do they have any um, canyonous-type areas in Dubai? I don't know much about the geography of Dubai except that it's a desert. Because they're like Petra's um, in Petra? a but that's, but that's in a country where they've got deserts nearby, haven't they? Or am I thinking of the wrong place? What's the place they used in Indiana Jones' Last Crusade? Oh. Uh, yeah, that's Petra. That, that, that is that, Petra? That, that's yeah, Turkey, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where it is. Where is it? Turkey. Is it? Okay. Pretty sure. I always thought it was um, in the Middle East somewhere. So, yeah. that and Seoul, Korea. Now, Seoul, Korea, maybe we could say some of the city shots from Yorktown might have been Seoul, Korea. I wonder if some of those buildings are like sampled images from... Because Seoul's quite modern, yeah. It's got a lot yeah, of modern sure architecture. They, they've got some modern-looking town square-type areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe... Maybe that, but definitely I, w- I would have to say that Dubai and just like Vancouver are in it for the almighty government subsidy dollar. Can you put up those images again? Yep. Those images of the Yorktown. Can we cycle through those until we get to Yorktown image? Oh, what am I doing here? Because one of those might be some reference stuff from Dubai. Um, the interior. Keep going. There was an interior shot, if we can find it. No, no, not that one. It's on the loop. Not that one. Are we going to find it? This one. That building there. Oh. Is that that famous the hotel Burj, Burj, in, in Dubai? I don't know. I don't Isn't there a crazy hotel next to that... The big, the big, uh, the tallest building. There's a crazy, one that's next to the, the tallest. The richest hotel in the world. Oh, you might be talking about the Burj, Burj Khalifa. I don't know what it's called. The one that's out on its own little island. Yeah. It Doesn't it like look like that? It does look like that. <laughs> in fact, 
Is that not a little landing pad up there? It is. Yes. It's a little landing pad up there. So, yeah, maybe. It could be. It could have been shot. Spec- pure speculation on our uh, yeah. on our behalf. I will reserve any opinion on that. I'm, con- I'm committing to it. It is. So that's uh, some of the filming locations. Um, cinematography, we were happy with the cinematography. Um, I, you know, I thought it was pretty good, with the exception of the, uh, the crazy gimbal shit. Mm-hmm. Um, there were production-wise, there were no opening credits in the film, except for the title for the single title card, making this the fourth consecutive Star Trek film that doesn't list its cast at the beginning. Good on them. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that. Let's get the party started. That's it. It's a modern way of doing films. So let's have a look at some of the production companies. Um, Putting up the money is Skydance and Paramount Pictures. Um, You've got uh, Alibaba Picture Group and uh, Hua Hua. Would you say that? Hua Hua Media? Yeah, let's go with Hua Hua. Um, They were in association with, but the main production houses... And I think in this order is Bad Robot, Sneaky Shark, and Perfect Storm Entertainment. So they shared the uh, um, shared the production uh, production team load. The distribution looks mainly paramount in most territories. A little bit of uni- United uh, in- United International Pictures in um, in some places, hmm. and even Colombia is did some distribution in Philippines. But this is the one we interest that interests us. These are the special effects, although this is not the correct name um, because these are visual effects houses. Yeah. Um, so the main it looks like the main grunt work was done by Atomic Fiction, Clear Angle Studios, and Double Negative or DNEG. Um, they took they took probably the majority of the heavy loading there. Um, you've got a couple of other bit players there taking sequences, um, probably specialising in certain things like uh, radio uh, radio effects, uh, prime focus. Um, they did pre, a bit of previs through Halon Entertainment and a little bit of visualisation services through Proof. Um, and their LiDAR yeah. scanning was done by Gentle Giant Studio. So they LiDAR'd something. I'm not sure what they would have LiDAR'd. Maybe the set? Down to downtown local, maybe Dubai, Dubai, yeah. and captured some streets or yeah. something or so, other. So they went out and lidared some something, and and they, they're listing a company, so they would have lidared quite a bit in order mm. to do that. Um, some of the other companies involved there, I'll just throw them up. Um, we won't go into those, but yeah, it's actually quite. A, this is quite a tight visual effects listing here, and notice there's no ILM in the list. Mm. They were too busy with Star Trek at the time, probably or Star Star, Star Wars. Wars. Star Wars. Star, Star Trek, Star Wars, yeah. all the same. Yeah. <laughs> I look, laser something. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yes, they're the companies. Um, let's have a quick look. How are we going for time, gentlemen? Um, I don't want to stop the show without apologising. Petra is actually in Jordan, not in Turkey. Oh. Sorry, Turkey. I knew it. So I have to. I can't. <laughs> I have to correct myself. Can you then look up Dubai? I'm, I want to know if I'm right now. That the Burj Khalifa. The Burj Khalifa yeah, I'll leave it Hotel up here. in Dubai. Well, I'll look it up as well. Yeah, you probably are faster with your machines than with me with my little Let's, tablet. Here, we'll, we'll put it up here. I think it's oh, maybe you can because you got the screen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do a comparison. Here we go. I think you've. I think you've hit it. Oh, hang on. It's not the Burj. The Burj is the really tall, pointy building. Um, let me show you. This is the Burj. Oh, Khalifa, okay. Which I think currently is the world's tallest building. Yep. But if we go. 
Dubai. Uh, hotel. hotel. We'll get it here. There it is. So it I think is, it's an homage. Uh, it's not identical, is yeah, it? Yeah, no, no, I think it's an homage. But the fact that they put on yeah, the back, yeah. on the curved spine of it, <laughs> yeah. the landing pad, that's too much of a coincidence. <laughs> oh. What is it with... Um, with windows, windows with the whole wobble thing that it just decides, oh, we've got to close everything Your wobble didn't come back. The noise the shit out of me. But that's definitely a landing pad up in there. Mm. Cool. All right, you so... Might be, you might be thinking of London. There's a, London? There's a yeah, big, there's another one of those looking things big, in London yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. This, oh, no, the, What's the, that the cucumber, uh, the gherkin, they the call gherkin, it. gherkin, yeah. <laughs> Only it's, it's completely round. Yeah, it's not it? sort of yeah. half whatever that is. That looks like a half gherkin. Half gherkin, exactly. Or a quarter, well, think, a half glass gherkin. The gravity on Yorktown would be so weird. I wouldn't be surprised. Oops. There's a so camera that just down. went to the ground, but right. I'm I'm still on audio. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep talking. So yeah, I think the gravity on Yorktown could probably put a few buildings out of kilter. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the higher they are, the, as, as you go up in the elevator, the the, the more you get gravity from a neighbouring huge spiralling arm of that. Well, they that even spaceship. said that in the um, in the actual movie that that's what happened. So did they? Well, that's what they were talking about. Oh, the, the, the gravity the all center collides where they were, yeah, in the yeah. centre and that's it all right. gets confusing and stuff. But it wouldn't be just the centre. It would be everywhere. Right. That'd be kind of cool, actually, for your building because it'd be, like, held up. It'd be, like, pulled <laughs> upwards. So you, you could... Can't drop a glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of our... Uh, the penthouse would be kind of weird. To explain why uh, Tom just got ripped from the uh, internet, the vision of Tom got ripped from the internet, one of our acoustic tiles came off the wall, hit the cable and ripped the camera off its, uh, off its tripod position. But we have averted further disaster. So that leaves us with the bucks. What did this thing, what did this thing do in the, in the... What did a 4.5 for visual effects and a, what was it, a... Three for oh, actually, let's give it a story. Pro- let's give it a production, an overall production score. For and this includes anything from uh, acting, cinematography, set design, um, anything that isn't visual effects or technical visual effects stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, with technical, we'll probably change to post production. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anything that's not post production and not narrative. Mm-hmm. Everything that's left. Four out of five. Seems to be working fine for me. All right. Tom? Nice, but nothing special, so... Yeah, there's nothing. I'd go... What's the middle three? Yep. So, four for Dan. Three for Tom. And I'm going to go for... Or well, 3.5. So, according there. to that list, it hasn't yet reached its budget. How long... How old is this information? Um, this is this is uh, box office mojo. So it's usually. So what was its budget? It's usually bang on million. the money. Seriously? Yeah, it was only a hundred and. Well, it was. No, no, it's um, it earned that. Um, it's no, at production, the production budget, budget is one hundred and eighty-five million. million. Domestic total gross. Now that's domestic. So this is just US. Is Let it? me check IMDb because that sounds a little high. That budget. Um, it could be right, but that's a. That's a big that's budget. A that's, that's a, a big very big budget. budget. Yeah. I, I don't think that's right. Purchase, um, purchase all no. the special effects with that budget. Yeah, uh, this is IMDb. It also says $185 million estimated budget. There you go. It had an opening weekend of $59 million or $60 million in July. So that's sort of, that's pretty much in the heart of their summer. Um, 
with not much Star Wars action going on around mm. their summer. They like to leave that to, to their winter. So they made one third of their total domestic gross on the opening weekend. They did, but it looks to me like they lost money overall domestically. I think they made up for it um, internationally because they made 184 million foreign. Mm. So 53% of their overall gross came from um, from international, uh, from foreign. So that means 184 million, 185, uh, so they made 184 million foreign. Yep. Cost 185. Yep. So let's equal that out. Or 158. Uh, yeah, 185. Yep. So the foreign paid for the mover. Yes. The, paid for the production, rather. And oh, that's the typical. Americans got it for free. Typical. <laughs> the Americans got it for but free. But the foreigners and paid was, for the film. <laughs> it was all profit. Pure profit. <laughs> Just sucking at the teat of the international audience. <laughs> uh, again. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like 343 million. Pretty underwhelming for compared. Um, this Isn't is, that about average? This is why I love um, Box Office Mojo. Isn't that about average? When, well, I I'll, I'll show you. Plus. A film that almost doubles what it costs is... Where is it? Here A lot we... of films don't don't break their production budget, so... Uh, oh, okay, let me rephrase that. No, average for it. something that's profitable. There was... Showdown. Trek versus Trek versus Trek. This is why I love um, Box Office Mojo. These are the three films. These yeah. are the three bad robot Trek films. And see, look, they're all hovering on. around what two point? Hang on, what am I looking at here? Total gross two point five. Domestic gross Mil. production. Um, total gross, yeah, two two point five, two point two, one point five eight. That's oh no, that's domestic. Worldwide, yeah, we, there we go. So the middle okay, one, yeah, three. Khan, uh, Into Darkness, kicked mm-hmm. the first movie and the second movie's Un- ass. Undeservedly so. But Star Trek Beyond <clears throat> hasn't been out as long. There's going to be more revenue. Is this, well, this no, this is, DVD, this is box office. Is it just purely box okay. Just box office. Yeah, yeah it's all theatre stuff. Because um, you could never stop counting the other stuff. They just keep releasing new sets and stuff mm. like that. Um, so one and three are about the same. Yes. With a good extra 100 mil. Is my maths working for me? And can, can look at the wide release on the um, on the first movie. Four thousand four thousand cinemas on the first movie, and then we dropped off. Um, not by much. Oh yeah, it's not too much, but there was a little drop off. Uh, 120, 120 days, seventeen weeks versus twenty one. Yeah, that's a difference. Ninety one days. This is only ninety one yeah. days, so that's yeah. actually not too bad. Okay, so it's got a ways oh. to go, I suppose. Well, I mean, how much of its how much of its money was made after the first? You know, I'm sure it tapers off quite sharply. Well, we had uh, where's the opening opening I mean, opening percentage of title a total? So, twenty nine percent of the first movie was in the opening weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, versus. No, oh, still that's a slightly thirty percent on the second film and thirty seven percent. But I'm sure after about four weeks, you've got nine, I don't know, I'm making this up, but I'm sure you've got 80, 90% of your money, or most of your money, certainly, more than 29% after a few weeks. I think lots of people must have been like me, bored and didn't like it the first time and maybe should have gone back for a second viewing. Maybe. There's a lot of things that, um, there's a lot of things that you can, that can influence your, your opinion of a film and timing is, is part of it. Yeah. 
So how are we going for time, gentlemen? I think we're um, we've come full circle. It looks to me like we have. these are our scores that we'll uh, put in the in the notes for the YouTube video. Um, for narrative, Tom gave it a 2.5. Dan gave it a 2.5. I gave it a 3. For technical, which we'll call uh, post-production from now on, um, Tom gave it a 5. Dan gave it a 4.5. And I gave it a 4.5. And for overall production, um, Tom gave it 3. Dan gave it 4. And I gave it 3.5. So we'll tally that up and, uh, and put those in the notes. That's our first outing as a uh, film... Review. Mm. We plan to do them regularly. Um, what our hope is to at least once a month we'll do a new film and at least once a month we'll do an old film. And that old film genre is going to cover B-grade sci-fi classics all the way through to um, um, real, you know, A-grade classics like Tron and, <laughs> and um, uh, Last Act- uh, was it Last Starfighter. Uh, we mentioned earlier, what's the one we mentioned earlier? A Krull. Krull. We've got to have a look at Krull at some uh, point. Have you, can you remember Krull? Is that the one that? with the star-shaped yes. spinny thing? Yeah, spinny and, the, thing. and the Cyclops the guy that rides yeah. that. Yes, um, it's uh, yeah. Um, we definitely have to have a look at that. So that's the plan anyway. And then in between the movie review shows, we're going to have a look at our standard tech and and gadgets and all that sort of stuff. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed your visit, Tom. Oh, very much. And uh, we 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 definitely like you to uh, return, especially in your capacity as a as a. Uh, movie reviewer um, and a person that is in within the industry as well. Um, anything exciting on the horizon for you coming up? Uh, apart from the fact that uh, classes are going to finish up soon and Christmas holidays are up- upon us, I'm working on a short film. I think I might have mentioned that at my last um, visit. Yep. That is uh, working really hard on getting... Um, Submitted to the Berlinale Film Festival. Oh, nice! So that's going to be taking up a majority of my time over for the next few weeks and all through January as well. When you got to get that done by? Well, the submission is uh, mid-December, but that will be a a cut of the film that doesn't have all the special effects yet. But it has to have a finished, finished um, lockdown edit. Okay. And then we have till the beginning of February to get everything finished for them to screen it. Awesome. So you'll have to come on and, and, and yeah, give, us a, give us a big rundown on it and Explain. let us know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm just a little cog in the wheel on that one. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Dan, anything uh, anything for you on the near horizon? Um, no, I'm going to go home and play with some music probably. And one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go home and listen to Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> on the drive home. Just and, yeah. and, and, and uh, listen to Sabotage. And be careful with it though. It's lethal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is absolutely lethal. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's probably it for us. Uh, we'll go out with our standard uh, outro that I can't get enough of. Um, but before we do, what's our parting message? Who would like to take the... Uh, Take the honours and leave our audience with a parting message. Um, we could do the honours of the movie and say to to lost friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. With our empty glasses. With our empty glasses. And um, absolutely pay uh, our respects to Leonard Nimoy and mm-hmm. his contribution to the entertainment industry and um, and to... Anton Yelchin. Yeah, Anton Yelchin. A very talented uh, young man that was tragically lost. So mm-hmm. until next time. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Bye for now. Bye-bye. What is your How many of you are there?